This is Amazing Things. I'm Adam Belmar. In life, timing is everything, and that has never been more true than when it comes to early cancer detection. Because finding the disease at the earliest stages can save millions of lives and billions of dollars in treatment costs. The development of the first universal early cancer screening test, after this. The Amazing Things podcast is presented by United for Medical Research. Because America's investment in medical research through the National Institutes of Health is making amazing things possible. Learn more at unitedformedicalresearch.com. Dr. Vadim Bachman's NIH-funded cancer research is about to change the world. The Russian-born, Harvard and MIT-educated professor of biomedical engineering and biophotonics at Northwestern University has invented a way to harness the power of light to detect cancer like never before. The question is how to come up with a technology that can be applied in the entire population, low cost, easy to use, and minimally invasive. That's really the key. Cancer doesn't develop from a single rogue cell. What actually happens is the entire organ undergoes alterations at the genetic level, at the epigenetic level, at the molecular levels, and the majority of cells accumulate these mutations, and they keep changing, and eventually, some of the cells on random, just by a random bad luck, basically, they can accumulate enough of these alterations that they expand into a clone that turns into a tumor. The key aspect here, the key thing to remember is that the early stage of cancer is not in a single cell, it's everywhere in the organ site, which is affected, which means that even before tumors can develop, uh, you might be able, should be able to see alterations in any cell within the field, which means that if you have lung cancer, the field is everywhere in the oral mucosa, in the trachea, in the lung. All you have to do is to obtain a cell, let's say from the buccal mucosa, from the cheek, and if you have the right biomarker, if you have the right way to assess whether the cell is uh, part of this field of carcinogenesis or not, you can have a reliable, accurate, low-cost diagnostics. The second part of the equation was what actually happens to the cells. And one of the very things, very first things that happens to the precancerous cells in the field is the alteration of the global structure of the genome, which is called a chromatin. The structure of the chromatin changes, and the change happens at the nanoscale. So then we have to ask the question, so how do we measure, how do we get access to this three-dimensional nanoscale structure of the chromatin? But that part the optical measurement of the chromatin below a few hundred nanometers wasn't even possible when Dr. Bachman came to the problem. So we had to come up with a special microscopy technique which is sensitive to nanoscale structure of the chromatin, essentially exceeding the sensitivity of other techniques by a few orders of magnitude. The trick here is that we decided we don't have to visualize, we don't have to resolve the small structures. What we have to do is we have to measure them. We have to measure their sizes. We have to identify them. And that's what really makes the difference. It's, really, it's a combination of microscopy and spectroscopic sensing. A radar is a good analogy. So whenever you have a flying plane, radar is trying to detect this flying plane. It doesn't have to image each and every detail of the plane to say it's a plane. But it can sense and say, well, there's a, there, there's a plane in the sky. And that's essentially what our technique does. It uses the principle of interference of light and spectroscopic sensing to measure small structures as opposed to visualize them. They're not visualizable, but they are detectable. And that's the trick. Did you catch all that? It's okay if you didn't. This is some complicated science. 
But what it comes down to is something as simple as a swab of your cheek will soon be able to tell your doctor what, if any, cancer is present in your body. What's exciting about this test, it can be generally applicable to multiple, multiple cancers. It's not just one particular type of cancer or one particular test. It's really a platform that can be applied to many cancers. Uh, Let me give you a few examples. Lung cancer, obviously, one good example. So uh, imagine you have a patient coming in for regular annual checkup, a physician or a nurse or a practitioner at the provider at Walgreens or CVS. Well, we can even do this at home. Brush yourself from from the cheek and sends them for analysis and depending on the answer, uh, positive or negative, patient is asked to get a CT scan or bronchoscopy or any of the follow-up procedures. And then this gives you precise identification of somebody who, a patient who actually needs treatment. And this kind of strategy is, you know, it, it just works on so many levels. First of all, you, get, you don't miss patients with the, with the disease. You, you detect disease at a very early stage when it's almost always treatable. And there are very significant economic benefits. We as a, you know, as a society, we spend uh, over $200 billion a year on cancer treatment. And most of this money is spent on uh, late-stage disease, uh, chemotherapies, et, et cetera, and of life care. And uh, we can really change this equation. If we detect most cancers early enough, the, even the treatment options are extremely low cost. You know, think about, let's say, colon cancer. If we can detect colon cancer at the stage of uh, adenomatous polyp, precancerous polyp, it can be removed by colonoscopy, which is fairly inexpensive compared to, let's say, running a chemotherapy or, or, or a major surgery. So we're, we're talking about substantial, more than four or five times reduction in, in the money spent on, on cancer management. We're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars every year, which, which is spent, not to mention the, that we can actually reduce mortality itself uh, by an order of magnitude. I think what's really exciting to me is that this is right now the only way to address the entire population. And right now the problem is most cancers are diagnosed when it's too late because patients have symptoms. You know, patients have symptoms, sees a physician, turns out they have lung cancer, colon cancer, etc. The idea is to identify patients early enough when they don't know they have anything. There are no symptoms and the disease is localized and can be easily removed by a simple procedure such as bronchoscopy or, or colonoscopy or laparoscopy. Talk about amazing things. The promise of this type of test is easy to appreciate at this point, but it was the foresight of the National Institutes of Health that recognized Vadim Bachman's genius and invested the critical funding to make this innovation possible. Well, I was obviously lucky to uh, benefit from substantial uh, grant support from NIH, from the National Institutes of Health, National Cancer Institute in particular, and also from the National Science Foundation, which is, which is also very critical. Many researchers like me, they frequently start with the National Science Foundation, get the first proof of principal data, and then they can successfully compete for NIH grants. In fact, that's how this research developed as well. Without this grant funding, nothing of this would obviously be possible. Currently, there is no other way to fund this kind of research. At some point, any technology like this has to be funded outside of NIH, because NIH is not going to fund commercialization per se. But the fact that we were able to get it so close to actual implementation in clinical practice, that's where this federal agency's federal grant money are just absolutely critical. As to the next steps in the commercialization of this technology, Dr. Bachman, along with Dr. Roy, started a company called Preora Diagnostics in order to make the screening test commercially available. 
Our hope, if everything goes well, to have this test introduced in clinical practice at the end of 2017, possibly early 2018. I would like to see it in clinical practice in the year of 2017, have really shot at getting it there. I don't mean clinical trials, I mean actual clinical use to benefit real patients. The Amazing Things Podcast is presented by United for Medical Research because America's investment in medical research through the National Institutes of Health is making amazing things possible. Learn more at unitedformedicalresearch.com.